Uh, oh, we finally hooked up. <laughs> yes. We're good. I'm going to rename myself so that I'm not named Tobias. <laughs> often hard to tell the difference. <laughs> a little more face tattoos on him. <laughs> yeah, you're a little behind there. I told him if we make a million dollars, I'll get a face tattoo. Nice. Pretty Dollar cool. sign. It's pretty much guaranteeing it will never happen. <laughs> I don't know. You guys are killing it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you get you just got your vaccine. I just got my vaccine like an hour ago. Yeah. yeah so you, can so see. you you feeling good so far? Yeah, absolutely. No, um, no problems so far. I've heard that I got the Moderna, so I have okay. to sort of maybe expect issues but yeah i'm also somebody who like shot up drugs with gatorade and like smoked yeah drugs. like these sorts of things i think everyone has their own risk tolerance um mine yeah. is pretty high you know even now so for me uh this wouldn't even be the first time i've taken an experimental medication <laughs> so, right right kind of right my tolerance for for taking risk i think is a little bit higher in that regard yeah good. and it was good crazy. and we managed to get the whole band and tobias's mom vaccinated today so. that's fantastic yeah that's fantastic mike did the moderna he's already fully vaccinated um i think he's three weeks out from the second one and he felt pretty crappy with the second one for like two and a half days and then but it wasn't like unbearably crappy it was just like you feel right. kind of sick you know and then, but now he feels actually better than ever. And I actually read an article um, a couple of days ago that said that certain people who had COVID before <clears throat> and had sort of lingering symptoms after they got vaccinated, they all cleared up. So I'm like, that's kind of a nice added benefit if that's true. And I think we had it, um, I'm pretty sure we had it like in January, right before it came out about COVID because all three of us had this really weird sickness that was unlike like a normal kind of cold sort of thing and in and in like in retrospect like as soon as they started talking about COVID, i'm like that sounds exactly like what we had so i don't know um i get my shot monday but i'm getting the pfizer so we'll see what happens i'm like i'm always nervous because I, I mean i'm a nervous person anyway Right. It's totally yeah. the individual. Like, everybody yeah. is going to have, like, a different sort of feeling about it. Yeah. I'm ready, like, though. Right. And I've been so frustrated with a lot of people I know's sort of position on the vaccine that I felt like the best thing that we could do would just be to go get it. Like, yeah. not to have arguments on the internet about it. Not to right. Not right. in the, like, discussion of it, but just to sort of, like, take action about it and say, like, hey, guys, like, this is how we feel about it and look we're fine we're still fine. yeah 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 i'm stoked i definitely felt psychologically better almost immediately like uh like a weight had lifted i think when you live so many years of your life in a kind of constant existential crisis yes and then you're thrust back into one um this whole past year um it's been in the back of all of our minds as we constantly family yeah get sick and our whole industry collapse and just it's been like brutal so i think we're all traumatized to some degree at right time. right 
collectively, this is sort of something we can all be proactive about finally. Right. I was like, my memories from like a year ago, I was like, put me to work in a factory. Like, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Like I'll enter the call, you know, like I felt this like tremendous need to sort of like help where we could. Yeah. There was nothing to do. Yeah. We all were kind of just like, well, we'll sit at home. Right. And yeah. This is the first time I felt like there was like something I could proactively. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a nice feeling knowing that not only are you protected, but you're protecting everybody around you, yeah. you know, and I'm, you know, I'm so desperate for certain people I know in my life who are kind of wishy-washy about getting the vaccine. And I'm like, I, I'm begging you to keep yourself alive. I'm begging you. Like, by saying no to this, you're passively accepting that you're going to die, basically. And I'm just like, please get this shot. <laughs> please get it. I don't want you to die from something that you could have prevented. And then when you're on your deathbed, you're saying, boy, I really should have gotten that vaccine. You know? You're probably like, Tara was right. <sighs> I don't want to hear that. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to hear that. This is one of those situations where like being right doesn't feel good. No, no, no. It's I just, really... yeah, it's, and it's, and it's kind of like, okay, but you're fully vaccinated. Otherwise, why are you hesitant about this one? You know? So anyway, I'm, I'm hoping that people kind of, once they see other people in their lives getting the vaccine and realizing it's not that big of a deal that it'll sort of change some minds or whatever but and i also yeah. think it's okay to be scared i think that i'm scared right i mean like, like i'm i wasn't scared but i have a, a whole set of personal right right things that make that my story but i got right today with all of us and won't name names but some of us were more fearful than others yeah of course that's part of the deal so i think yeah like the best thing we can do is just to, to do it and just yeah having done yeah. it you know you see a lot of that right now and i'm super stoked i mean we're really ready to get back on the road too so it's like this is the step they're saying that you know we'll probably have to show our little cards mm -hmm. and all that stuff so we want to be ready to get back to doing what we do as soon as possible so yeah anything we can do to move that process forward well and you guys i mean bands like you guys i mean that was a huge part of your income is being on the road and not having that it's you guys have managed to crush it still, you yeah. know, but I think, yeah, you guys have been the exception, I think, though, because because you're forward thinking and you always kind of are thinking outside of the box and taking control and, and not just kind of passively going through the motions. So, you know, in some ways, like I d you probably wouldn't have your shop there if this hadn't happened. No. Uh, so, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in our solution. It's just insane to me. Yeah. I, I, it's incredible. And I know I've told you this before, but I'm like, you need to be designing clothes for just in general, not even just for the band, because your aesthetic is so unique. And um, I, I think I think people are, people are as obsessed with getting your merch as they are with getting the music. And that's a that's a cool thing, you know. And I just I I'm like blown away that you guys are just doing all this. It's so freaking cool to me. 
We're super inspired by sneaker culture uh, and streetwear culture. I think that's probably a lot of where that comes from. Yeah. Um, but but just like a little bit of a newsflash, we definitely are in the process of more and more creating a soft kilt brand as far as clothing goes. So pretty soon we will be designing our own clothes. And so it won't be soft kilt art or, or designs printed on uh, blanks. It'll be our shirts and our- uh, That's so cool. So we're, we've been moving more and more towards that because I think that is sort of the end game for us. And we are in talks with um, a broker at a, a factory overseas. Oh, that's so cool. We can start doing all that stuff. But all of this has been like a learning process. You know, we just, we do one thing we're scared of. Yes. <laughs> another thing that we're scared of. And we learn that as we go. And it's been like this amazing process of just like, okay, feeling afraid, but like having a vision of, of what we want to accomplish and then like pushing through to that. Yeah. End releasing the record during the pandemic and self-releasing the record was probably the scariest thing we'll ever have to do, I hope. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Knock on And also having the belief in it, like really knowing that what we were doing was something special and that the that our audience was ready for it and that we had something important to say. Yes. And, we kind of felt like we could surmount any obstacle. Yeah. So the store was just another version of that. Um, you know, every member of Soft Kill works here at the store who lives here in Portland. That's so freaking cool, dude. So we take shifts, you know. And what's funny about it is I used to joke because Conrad worked in an American apparel. He actually managed uh, an American apparel. I worked at many retail stores, but I worked in an American apparel too. And we used to joke like how funny it would be. Like, because I used to go into his American apparel when I lived in Brooklyn to Yeah. <laughs> not to shop but to steal um so i used to joke like oh how funny would it be if we like could go back and like work in a retail environment <laughs> like the other day i was like handing him trash bags to like change trash <laughs> the trash wrap, and i was like oh my god like we're we're doing it like that's so cool though it's so cool like how did you guys like what was the thought process there like we should open a store how did that come up and but were you just like this is insane? I think a like, lot of jokes. I think yeah. a lot of a lot of what we do is like clown each other and right. you know, it's like a very creative yeah. environment. And you know, sort of with Tobias always sort of like leading the way with the crazy ideas. But um but yeah, it's a board game. We feed off of each other, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like there's always this moment of like Hmm. yeah like could we do that like yeah possible? like and then sort of just the pieces come together oftentimes it's so cool and then we end up with like a storefront which which is something we had been talking about for years but we that's so about, cool um yeah i remember that yeah and we were like we were like oh, we're the only band in the country with a merch table like what if people could come to us because we were having people sort of like asked to stop by the house or like people who are traveling through for business yeah and they were like hey like 
we'd love to be able to get something from you. And we were like, what if we could provide that not only for us, but also for other bands here in Portland and not That's so cool. bands in Portland, but for bands that we care about all over the country. We, yeah, stuff, uh, that basically our friends make. So That's so awesome. It's been amazing. And, and the response has been really incredible from the community and I couldn't be happier with the way that it's going. It's become my only social outlet since everything's closed. Right. And um, you get to talk to people. And yeah. See, I would love that too. Like part of performing was for me, the biggest part of it kind of was the social aspect of it because I actually, as weirdly social, like I have social anxiety, but I also love people. So it's like this whole, I want to hang out, but I'm also like a nervous wreck about it. But I always really enjoy it because I used to do our merch table when we toured and stuff. And I always enjoyed that part. Like the, the, the playing the show part of it was always very stressful because the sound was never good and, you know, all of that. And it was like stressful in that regard. But I can talk to, talk to people all day long. So I, I get what you're saying. Like It provides a structure to do that. Like, yeah. Like normal and it sort of forces you to do that. So, you know, yeah, you definitely end up having more interactions than like you would if you were sitting at home. And I feel like, yeah. I'm like I've had people come in with really bad days and I've gotten to hear everybody's pandemic stories. Like, yeah. How are you doing? You know, sometimes goes a really long way right now because there is a tremendous amount of stress. So for people to be able to come in here and play guitar and try out pedals, um, I also think we really, you know, this is Tobias's idea, 100% credit him with that. We wanted to take guitar effects out of guitar stores, out of music stores. Um, and I think that for me personally, that environment is so much more conducive for women. It's so separated from sort of like, the macho guitar center vibe mm. we try to provide a space that feels like really easy and comfortable to come into and just mess around and not have that's cool sale, sort of like yes yeah or like a oh you don't know what this does like, right 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 kind of vibe um because half the time we don't know what the stuff does totally either so right. we're usually in the process of figuring it out there's mr dirk he wants to say hi hi dirk can you remember her oh he's like i'm shy it was so <laughs> nice to meet you when we came through arizona do you still have your soft kill shirt he has all his soft kill stuff. His pins are on his curtains, his, his records. <laughs> yes, that was a, that was a huge, um, you know, and I actually thank you guys for that because I don't think, you know, like your, your child's not going to really get it either because he's around you all the time. They don't really get that being in a band is different than everybody else's mom and dad. And so I think uh, him seeing you guys on stage and like, seeing it was a big like kind of eye-opening thing for him and it kind of because you guys gave him those records um we came home and we had the shittiest record player just i mean one step above a, a child's record you know it just really ridiculous and we're like we should actually buy like a decent record player so it sort of um inspired us even like we had records out and like didn't listen to them or anything and so now, you know, it's like we listen to records all the time and he's always getting excited about records. And so that was a that was a huge thing. And just even kind of for us, too, because we're so removed from the game of music 
at this point. So it was fun for us to kind of get to tiptoe even slightly back into that. See, I consider uh, that winning. You guys won. <laughs> you know, yeah. being removed from the game of it, I think, is like where you want to be. The important things in life are family. Yeah, yeah. it is kind of nice our quality of life and you yeah. still create and like that, you know, at the end of the day, one of the greatest gifts I think Tobias gave me was just the separation of like the act of creation to be an artist and the scene stuff that like, yes, that there's, there are two totally different things and that the yeah. pureness and the joy is over here and you're actually, it's anathema to over here. So I think that like, that's definitely like what you hope to get to. It's where yeah. you're content and like stoked and still creating and not feeling like it, you're in a like rat maze or something and you're trying yeah. to do all this crazy stuff. And I think being off the road and being home uh, during the pandemic has been in many ways a, a gift. You're right, it's been hard financially at times, but I think it really did give us a second to pause and to reflect and to sort of like prioritize again in a way that felt good. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think the record doing well obviously helped. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think sometimes being forced to have to rethink your um, roadmap is helpful. Sometimes we don't get to do that on our terms. Sometimes you're forced to do it. So, you know, with bad stuff coming up and sort of changing your uh, path in life, you know this, it, it makes you rethink like, okay, how do we do this? And you end up in a better spot than you would have been if you were just kind of going with the flow of what was already going on, you know? 100%, 100%. And I think too, like, because we are people who have dealt with so much crisis in our lives, I yeah. think that we were sort of oddly, I mean, I am great in a crisis. I'm fantastic. Like the, if the world is on fire, if the building is burning down, if there's dead bodies everywhere, I am <laughs> I'm like in my five yeah. zen place and I'm in the zone. Yeah. And, you know, give me like a boring, mundane, like Tuesday night, I'm, I have a harder time, right? So I think that in some ways the pandemic for Tobias and I sort of like, mirrored or imaged a lot of things that for us like we had been through in the past so I just sort of immediately clicked into that mode like okay like I know how to survive I've done this before yeah um, joking with my mom like this is actually my second epidemic mm. so I've survived one of, of these before and I have you know a lot of really good friends who have passed away um, yeah. Opioids. So it's like, for me, I think I went into this with this sort of like survivor's mentality of like, I know, and that just clicked in, you know, like, okay, yeah, what we have to do, we just have to deal with it one step at a time, you just have to like keep pushing forward. And I don't recommend like anybody have to go through that kind of right to get to that place. But I do think that like, there is some, um, I don't know, some some sort of silver lining there, right? Yeah, if you learn the lesson, instead of succumbing to the lesson right then you at least even though you went through all of that you you're coming ahead winning and and i think there's also something to be said for that people can watch you and say okay well they got through that and now look where they are and if they can do it maybe i can do it too kind of a thing you know not to say that you're like trying to be like a hero or whatever but 
I do think because there's there's a lot of people that struggle with I mean, and even if it's not substance abuse, it's depression or, you know, whatever. And I think seeing people who are very open about the struggle and getting through it and even still having really shitty days, but still keeping going is important, you know. I've always found the Dead Kids record in particular, like to be really hopeful. And I know that it gets talked about and discussed a lot as like sort of sad music or um, right. in ter those terms. But to me, like there's always this sort of like underlying message of like hope there. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's powerful, right? Like, and I think our stories are testaments to that too. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what, you know, there's this always another day. There's always like a next 24 hours and there's always like a chance that things will improve and get better. And I've always found that to be like the most powerful message you can give like to another human being. It's yeah. Like recognition. Just hold on another day. Yeah. Just hold yeah. on one more day. What's the line in Infinite Jest? Yes, I would really like some credit for mentioning that right now, but um, there's no single unbearable moment in life, right? That like one moment is livable through. And so yeah. if you get through to that like next moment, then you have a, a chance. And I think that's like sort of definitely the message with the record for sure, but it's been this message the whole pandemic for us. Yeah, like, yeah. Next, 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 whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, and I also like that you guys um, don't forget those that didn't make it. Because I think a lot of people like to pretend either that it doesn't exist or they only want to see the winning, the winning. But there's a lot of people that, and it's not their fault, they didn't win. And it's so much more than I think, I mean, certainly that I, I mean, I'm, hold up in my house all the time anyways i don't deal with people but i think there's so many people that struggle quietly and nobody knows and so i think that not only that you guys um share the story that you got through it but that you also share those that didn't and i think that's super important because it they're not they're not remembered you know right i mean the whole record uh, all of dead kids, those are specific people. They're not made up people. Some of them yeah. are sort of like amalgams of a couple of people. Right. Really, um, they have names and yeah. people who lived. And I'm sort of obsessed with this idea of like imperfect, perfect people. Right? Yeah. Like there's this sort of like beauty to this sort of madness. And it's scary and it's terrifying. It's chaotic, but like, yeah, those people deserve to have their stories told too. And, um, you know, I've had two ex-boyfriends who, who have overdosed and died. So they were very close to me. And, and both times that happened, they died alone on bathroom floors. Mm. In the case of my ex, Matt, uh, he wasn't found for three days. Um, and I think about that a lot because to yeah. mind when I think That's so sad. That, yeah. This vivacious brilliant skateboarder, wonderful human being who would be like incredibly stoked to like walk into the front door of the shop, which I still expect him to do sometimes, right? Um, so it's it's like, these are the people that I want to talk about and to celebrate because they weren't throwaway people. And no, yeah. When you get down to the nitty gritty of it, like that's the message for me is like, there are no throwaway people. And yeah. society really, 
hasn't come that far in sort of like I know putting its money where its mouth is as far as that goes and to treat it disease it as a disease and to sort of get people the help that they need or access to the help that they need um so yeah the people in the record were really special people um Tobias um pretty face is about Zach Zach's photo hangs on the wall here in the shop um you know, yeah, they they were like special. They were really special. And I hope that people who are out there who are struggling with the disease of addiction can see that like there's a there's a sharp left turn. You can get up from the horror movie that you're watching and you can walk into another theater and you can watch a totally different film of your life. Like you do yeah. not have to stay stuck. So yeah. it's definitely was a painful and emotional process, like writing this stuff out and like then sharing it like with the world right we're gonna like talk about all the people that we love the most who are no longer with us and then we're gonna try to like share that with everybody yeah and be like yeah this is totally chill and I remember sometimes like explaining the theme of the record before it was out to people and they were just like oh my god like (laughs) that is the heaviest like you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're kind of yeah. on their face. Like I don't know how to discuss that with you. You know, yeah, understandable. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. it's you know, there's a certain amount of sort of walking around with ghosts that yeah, 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 part of that. And and the weird part I think is that sort of the whole world knows what that feels like now. Yeah, like I look yeah. at the names and the paper and the names of people who have died from COVID now. And I think, gosh, we're all going to be haunted like to some yes. yeah. from here on in. And in some ways it kind of made the record the perfect 2020 record. Yeah, yeah. You know, and don't you think, um, I feel like there's a lot of people who have this sort of simplistic view of somebody who becomes an addict. Um, it's kind of like, well, I'm not that kind of a person. Like they just need to not do drugs. And like, it's such a simplistic base mentality. And so it's easy for them to throw away a drug addict. Like, well, that's just a kid that shouldn't have taken drugs and they died. Or, you know, that's the alcoholic neighbor that, you know, they just shouldn't drink. And like, it's like this weird throwaway thing of, well, that's not me, but I feel like, I mean, at this point in everyone's lives, you should have known somebody who was a decent human being who became a drug addict or an alcoholic. Like, totally. So to just, right. So just to sort of dismiss it as those other people, but that's exactly what our society does anyways, whether it's illegal aliens coming here or, you know, whatever. Not to Somehow, go too far that way. Somebody yeah. Problem, so right? it's so it's unrelatable to them. So they don't want to hear about it. They don't care. And then the other thing is the toxic um, uh, positivity people, yes. where don't look at anything scary. Don't look at anything um, that makes me feel weird. Let's just put up a meme about smile and like hang in there, kitty or whatever, and like pretend that everything's fine. And it's like everything's not fine. Every human being I know is horribly flawed. Like you said, like the sort of beautifully imperfect kind of, we all are that way. So to pretend that you walk through life happy all the time and like have all your ducks in a row, it's so disingenuous. And I think it's so dangerous to everybody else who's like 
why don't I feel that way? Like, why am I sad? Why am, you know, why am I unhappy with my life that I'm supposed to be happy with or, or whatever. So I like it when people kind of shine a light on the reality of being a human being instead of just this false narrative of no you get married you have kids you have a job you have a career you cook organic food for dinner every night you like you know you don't drink too much caffeine you don't drink too much alcohol you eat fat free you, you know and it's so unrealistic and it puts so much pressure on people that they don't even realize it oh, totally. even like with the whole being a mom thing it's like there's this image that a mother is kind and patient and loving and keeps the house clean and keeps her husband happy and you know and it's like no that's so completely unrealistic and like it puts so much pressure on you as a human being totally i mean i live in portland you know if you want to go to hell enter like a portland mom's facebook group you know it's an absolute hellscape it's it's a not a, a place anyone should ever want to be for sure so yeah, I think you're right. And I think that the record sort of does both things. Um, it puts like faces and names to the thing. Um, it puts faces and names to the thing. So it's like, okay, now we're directly looking at the ugliness and we're directly like, you know, looking at the thing that no one wants to look at. Yeah. And I think it also, I'm agreeing with you completely about this sort of like cult of positivity. Like it doesn't actually address any of the practical needs, wants, or desires of human beings. To right. We'll be happy, you know. Um, it's not, it's obviously not that simple, but I think that what's even crazier about it is that it can be deadly, like to simplify right. uh, that much. Right. And I've experienced that in my life where, um, yeah, people weren't necessarily being addressed in the ways that they needed to be. And I think right. that's totally a, a problem in our in our culture, for, for sure. Um, so yeah, I think we wanted to show people like, these are people's kids, they're people's friends, they're, they're people's husbands and wives. They're not just um, this sort of like faceless homeless encampment that you drive by. There were, right. you know, I lived in a homeless encampment. Um, so I also try to share my story and Tobias tries to share as much of his personal story as possible so that like, you know, people really get a sense of like the humanity of it, right? Like, yeah. Um, Cause numbers are really difficult for people to understand. So if you say like, oh, overdose deaths are up 30% during the pandemic, right. that's like a statistic. But if you think about, you know, what's that three more bodies, right? Like, and yeah give a room with that many bodies in it and that's what i try to do like i try to find the compassion by like visualizing the problem in a way that like yeah makes sense to me and so i think that i hope that the record came across that way that people could hear their own struggles in there that they could not just drug addiction but like any struggle i think um but also that they could like see their friends faces and their family members faces and um yeah, like mourn with us, but also I think sort of celebrate. I don't think it's a totally sad record. In that I don't think so. I think it's, um, I, I, first of all, I think you guys completely succeed at all of that. I think that, I think that you make it so much more relatable. And I think that's one of the reasons people are probably like super obsessed with you guys, because it's, it's very relatable 
And like you said, if it's not drugs, it's something. Everybody has something that they struggle with. And I think it's super relatable. And I think that, um, I don't know. I just think you guys got it. It's so funny because I, I don't even remember what the context was of this, but somebody called me a trust fund junkie not that long ago. And I was so happy. I was so stoked that somebody <laughs> had mistaken me. I wish. I was like, I've come so far. I was so stoked. I was like, really? So like, I'm not recognized. You can't see me. Like, I was so happy just that somebody had mistaken me because yeah, like, you know, we both have very hurt backgrounds and um, very crazy difficult not like easily palatable right yeah i think that's the other thing is like i want music to be about something like i really want to feel like i'm having an authentic human experience yeah and that like we're relating it's taking these like really complex ideas about being human and like putting it in really simple form yeah people yeah so like that's the that's the the kernel is like this is my story. Can you relate to my story? Yeah. Find that common ground. And that is the power that art and music has, right? Like this Mm -hmm. ability for us as just like human beings with this like very similar palette of emotions to be able to paint with each other, to be able to paint with each other. So I hope that we achieved at least like a little bit. For sure. Yes. And I, you know, we do get messages sometimes from people being like, oh, your story helped, you know, or I have time clean now or, you know, depressed and that stuff. Like if that happens three times a year, like I, that like makes my year because that's, I really needed art and music like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I really needed to feel like other people were like experiencing the shit that I I was like, right. That's the thing too. That's the thing about sad music is that yes, sometimes it's very sad. I mean, but when you are sad, you kind of, some people, I mean, some people want to listen to Katrina and the waves or whatever to like get out of their own head and be happy and goofy. But for me, I've always wanted to sort of bask in the glory of it. I don't know, and not in a wallowing way, but just in a like, this feels comfortable to me because I, this is exactly how I feel. And I mean, kind of the same thing, like you said, like we'll get messages where people have said, I, I was at the darkest point in my life and your album, you know, helped me through that. I can think of no higher achievement that music certainly has done that for a lot of people it's it's a powerful thing and it's important for people to be able to do that and you're you guys are a tremendous example of that for sure for sure well i just it that's mind-blowing to me like because you know how it is you're just doing your thing and that other people can connect to it on that level is like mind-blowing um but I, I mean, it takes. I mean, I think it takes yeah. really just like ripping out, ripping out like a part of you. And being yeah. Like, Here's like a piece of me, like you know, like it's try like- to be nice. Try to be nice. <laughs> right. I tell you, the, the older that it gets, the older that I get, and like you know, obviously both of us, the harder it is when you record because you're like, this might be it. This might be the last time I write lyrics to a song. So it really has to mean something. 
And so I torture her. Because it might be it. Like this could be it. This might be the last release. And I don't, you know, it has to, I have to go out in a good way. You know, like I, I wrote to you a couple weeks ago, I was having a complete meltdown recording vocals, just torturing myself over it. Like literally bawling my eyes out. Like I suck. I've been fooling people for 20 years, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's how it is now. Like, it's such a torture. But yet, when it clicks, it's like the best thing But I think ever. there's a beauty to that because it's like there's so much less, like, I have so much less to lose. And so, like, I'm just willing to, like, when we're, because we're working on a new album now. So, like, when I'm writing stuff with Tobias, like, there, there's no reason to be, like, sheepish no no like there's definitely like more impetus to like get the shovels out and like dig as deep as we possibly can and to like really try to find whatever is there because there is as you age um there's like there's less sort of like worry or concern in that way like i it really does have to count and it really does yes and it really does have to come from like right in here yeah yeah you know and i think that's been a blessing like in some ways like i don't worry the way that I did as a younger person about like what other people are going to think. Yes. I think still, cause there's so much more on the line often now, um, financially for sure. Like, right. Yeah. You know, we funded the whole record ourselves. We paid for the recording, all the manufacturing. I mean, it was like writing those checks was definitely like had some crying moments. Yeah. Um, Leap yeah. of faith. Totally. But I think you're, what you're saying totally rings true to me that as you, you let go of those other concerns, like mm -hmm. as you go, and I think there's a certain confidence that comes. And, you know, we touched on this before we started recording about like trying to age with some grace as a woman in music. It's not, yeah. it's not super uh, comfortable. It's not super easy. And your priorities do sort of shift, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm not necessarily as concerned with like how I look on Instagram now or like right. sorts of sorts of things. Like I worry more about like, what's, what are we all eating for dinner? Did I go <laughs> grocery shopping? Cause like, once again, not a very perfect mom in any way, or yeah. in any way at all. So yeah, I think that like, there's some, there's some freedom and some beauty. Yeah. That, like, that purity of creation becomes more of like a, focused thing um, yeah well and I, I recently did an interview with a girl she's doing a series of women in rock music and I first of all I had to laugh because she's like you're the oldest woman that I've talked to which I I took as a as an honor because I'm like okay I finally reached that point in life where I'm not the newbie girl like I think when you're younger and a female, there's more expected of you. Like you have to have the look you have to, you know, you have to sort of play this weird game that boys don't have to play. Then when you get to the crone stage, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm ready. Put me in. Let's go. It's like you, it's like you've, okay. I've graduated to the point now where I have a modicum of respect just because I've been at this long enough that, I must have learned something at some point, you know, but there, I think they're definitely the older you get comes that freedom. As long as you haven't banked your career on your looks, then you're fucked. But if you banked it on substance, then you're only going to get more deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more substance as you go. So by the time you're, you know, a little bit older, 
numbers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah. hope. I mean, my main goal is like to, to do it with some grace uh, and some. Well, and you already and you're there to leave a legacy of, of work. I think, you know, that what I once again to go back to Tobias giving me that gift of just like what's important is the work. Yeah. None of the rest of the stuff will last. Yep. Um, but the work will. So if you put in the work and you create and there's that solid like sort of everything else melts away in the life yeah. of work. And I feel like that's been such that's sort of gone hand in hand with getting older, right? Is like this idea that like, okay, I'm leaving behind something as I go. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited about the next one. And like this one was so emotionally cathartic. And I think we both needed it because mm -hmm. it did like literally feel like we were walking around sort of like haunted by these people. And I have 10 years clean now so that's a that's long amazing. time to be yeah. around feeling this sort of survivor's guilt and remorse of like why did I survive what right. was about me and I think I was pretty even with all the work I've done in the 12 steps I was still feeling really tortured by that a lot so yeah we were able to unlock a lot of that and to like give that gift to the people that passed away because Dude, every time we would come to a difficult choice about packaging, materials, doing the board game, the expenses associated with the, the work, like we'd be like, yeah, but like there's this whole crew of, of people we're trying to memorialize here. Like we can't, like we owe it to them. Like their names are associated with it. Like we're trying to honor them. So like we should definitely make sure that it's perfect. Yeah every possible way so this next one feels like a little bit it's going to be a little more fun no that's probably not the right word <laughs> i don't know if i would go that far but probably not <laughs> as like fucking like you know yeah like, you know, <laughs> yeah i mean there was probably a period of time where every time we would put the demos on because we've been writing that, that this record took two years to write mm -hmm. um we would be like crying in the car uh, yeah crying in the grocery store like listening to it on headphones like just it was like not it's super fun when the um when the mixes started coming back it was a lot of crying driving around crying like yeah period and i haven't listened to the record in a while because yeah like i it makes me cry yeah every yeah time. sometimes you have to just like uh i i have a hard time listening to the old lycia stuff from before i was in the band because the same thing happens to me it just represents a time period that guts me every time i listen to it so i just can't listen to it because of the association like i do once in a while but i'm just like every there's certain moments and eat in certain songs that i immediately my eyes just start um, but it's, I think once you get some distance, a little bit distance from that, then it'll come back and it'll feel slightly different probably to you. You know what I mean? I hope so. I hope so because I can't keep ruining my makeup every time. <laughs> it's getting like a little out of hand. And I also am a little embarrassed by it in front of the boys. I'm like, don't mind me. Like, Aww. five more minutes, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely like a period of my life and a period of Tobias's life that feels like a wound. And I think that this is yeah. like an amazing way to try to like get that healed a little bit for sure. And the response was like insane, like overwhelming. You guys must have just died. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, there really wasn't any words for it. Like it felt like 
I mean, number one for a <laughs> That's insane, dude. It felt, it felt that crazy. And like with all humility, because like we really didn't have any expectations. Going right. It. it was just like, well, we have, we have to do this. Like we've been sitting on this record for so long and, and it felt like it was just like ready. Like it was just crazy. amazing. And then the people just like really got behind it for us. And I, and that's without any like label support, um, you know, like none of that stuff. Yeah. Like we yeah. like powered through it. And I completely like Mike and I talk about this all the time. Like you guys are just so on it. Like, I don't know how you have a second to breathe. I don't. Because you just, you have to be just working the, the, every second of every day. I am. And we, and we all, yeah. and now yeah. you know, like we take shifts, so, you know, we're all in the backpacking orders. We're all doing all of that stuff. Like we're yeah. emails all day. Like that's yeah. And then we add more, like, I don't, I feel like there hasn't been a single time in the soft kill sort of like arc where we're not like, we should double down, you know? Like, right, right, right. There's never a moment where we're like, ah, oh, like we made it. Like, let's just chill here for a second on the mountaintop. Like we're like, where's the next peak? And right. Like, there's part of that that probably stems from being like obsessive ex-drug addicts where there's sort of this mm. constant need for like movement, like we're sharks or something. But yeah. Um, but I do think there's like something good, like an asset or a defect turned asset there where like Yeah, for sure. We're just able to take on like tremendous amounts of work and yeah. and somehow accomplish most of it. Well, and, uh, you know, and even as a parent, think of the example you're setting for your son that you're working your ass off and he's learning that work ethic and drive and everything just from being in that environment. I think that's an amazing thing to be teaching your child, you know? Totally. And I owe that to my parents too. Like they're, they both uh, were working class. Like I didn't know anybody in my life who was like, you should be an artist. They were like, right. let's hope for a nursing degree, like, you know, and then, you know, right. she doesn't die in a gutter. So I think like they, but the one thing they did have to offer me was like this, yeah, like this work ethic, like this sort of like yeah. you up every single day and you do the next thing in front of you and yeah. you make sure that everybody around you is taken care of. And that translates to every aspect of your life. Like it doesn't Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You decide to be in, you know? Yeah. Um, but I know they're they're proud that it's and they're like stoked and probably yeah. out that this is what I do. Um, my mom, when the day we open the store, right? We have this grand opening. There's a line down the block, like so cool. It was insane to see. Like we looked out the window and it was like down the street, you know. And like the, all the neighbors were like out looking, like who are these freaks, you know? And, that is so cool. Um, and I'm on the way to this back to the store, and my mom calls me and she goes. Hey, I just wanted to let you know, like, if you want to go back to college, and I was like, <laughs> "Girl," I, was like, <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, "I love you for that," because that's their idea of success. Yeah, right? So, right. I was like, "What would I have to do? Like, get a Grammy? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> right. What level? Like, you know, I'm I'm on my way to the store that I just opened. Uh, yeah, you know, that's you know wild. That master's degree." <laughs> So yeah, it's been an it's been an interesting year. It's been an amazing year. I have absolutely no regrets about what we did. Like it's like 
it was just exactly what we needed to do and we've walked this path and now it we're booking tours and that's going to start being awesome so things are going to change again and i think that's almost scarier in some ways like okay now we gotta like get out of survival mode a little bit i'm gonna figure out what's going to be next for us but um there's still a ton of records to pack. There's always records to pack. Yeah. So how does that work for you guys when you're on tour? Who does that stuff when you guys are out? So I go, I don't go out as much anymore. Um, mm -hmm. That's largely because of Dominic, but right. I, I mean, I pack, I mean, I'm like a machine and I have no idea like where I got this skill set from. Like probably like my parents work ethic in part. Yeah. Like, it's nuts. Like I sometimes like think about like, what is it that makes you do production work so well? I have no idea, but like, even like assembling all of the board games, like we're doing that all ourselves. So like, that's like me, like putting each little board game piece into the package and then like sealing it up and like making sure we have that's awesome. at the same time. And like, so all of that stuff is me and I don't, I have no idea. Like I just have a capacity for it. That's like almost superhuman not to be like, like yeah, because I'm definitely making mistakes. But I think like it takes having somebody like me who's able to do that kind of work. If you yeah. Just just like a hot tip for anyone trying to DIY it. Like you really have to have this sort of like insane ability to follow through on a task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, because it's a ton. I mean, that's so much. I don't think people understand how much work that is. Right. Really. I don't think, I think people, and, and, and I know that, I know that you run into this where somebody orders a record and then, and then they're constantly like, when, when's my record going to ship? When's my record going to ship? It's like, bro, you have no idea the amount of bullshit that goes into this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we're not amazon.com right you don't have a team of workers uh, working for you yeah and it's weird because i'm the kind of person who because i do get this kind of work for like if i order something from somebody you will never hear from me ever yeah you know, I yeah wait till it's actually probably insane and like then i'll wait some more like you yeah i understand that people one of the things that's really difficult in the modern world, I think, for people to understand is sort of like systems and like how yeah. systems work. And I think yeah. I saw a lot of this this year, like people didn't understand like how we were all going to get vaccinated or like how we were going to get like sort of people don't understand the ways in which the mail works or like the ways in which these right. for them it just shows up on their doorstep and they don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about right, it. right, yeah, yeah. Like all records are assembled by hand. Right. There is no machine that does that. So even a record you buy at an Urban Outfitters, there is a person at some point in the manufacturing process who actually physically stuffs that. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Um, so those are things people don't spend any time. Right. With, and they shouldn't have to. Like, good. God, right. I, right. You know, I don't want to be thinking about that. I don't right. really necessarily know all that stuff, but right. I do. Um, and you learn that stuff as you go along. Um, but, you know, I used to run Flenser with my ex and that label we released like the first like big project was 3000 copies of a record. And that was a, a, a have a nice life, death consciousness, the repress. So we did that and I shipped all 3000 copies of that record and it included a booklet. It was a gatefold. It was a two disc. It was two uh, LPs. Um, and I was absolutely crazy by the end of that. But no doubt. 
what I recognized though in that process was like, whoa, like I could, I can like really do this. <laughs> like yeah, you learn yeah. a lot about yourself when you're like in a room, like doing that for hours and hours and hours. Um, so yeah, I think when, once you realize you have the capacity for it, it's not super hard, but it's definitely daunting. Like there's a reason why most label owners are like one guy in a basement. Mm. It's like, it's not conducive to having like a social life. It's definitely not conducive to like having like tons of friends over all the time. Like it's a really solitary. Unless you put them to work. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know what? That's such a great concept, right? Like, and I struggle with this with the boys because they're always like trying to help and like, you know, one of the cool things is we've been able to keep all the members of the band paid through this whole process. That's awesome. But like, I like do it myself better. Like, I'm just like, I'll be like, it's cool. Like, you know what I mean? And they're like, no, no, yeah. you have to let us help. And I'll be like, uh, but like, I could just do it faster. And so I have to like allow myself to be helped. Um, maybe that's part of being like that, that caregiver, like, yeah do it all or whatever but i would yeah. like, literally have to like fight them to like i'd be like okay fine <laughs> but you're not taping the boxes correctly right like because you just like i just um you know and i see and i get so like karen about it and i'm just like yeah. <laughs> like it needs a sticker there and like you know and they're just like you're so crazy and i'm like i know but it's it's you know i think when people get our stuff in the mail there is like a lot sort of to it, like, you know, yeah, like tape that we use. That's like, it's very much like a branded object. Yes, I love it. It arrives in the mail. It's very much like from Soft Guild to you. So I think there's something to that, you know. Well, and I took your, I, I took that from you because we did hats a, a couple months ago. And um, Mike is always like, I don't want to deal with any of that shipping or none of that stuff. And I'm like, but we want hats. So let's do hats. Right. And so um, I found that sticker mule company and got stickers and like mailers with our symbol on them. And like, I'm like, I'm going to totally do this. So I'm doing it. I'm going to make it fun. And I'm going to put stickers and buttons in everybody's thing. And, you know, it makes it sort of fun. And I know. I know that as a, a fan of a band, if I got something in the mail that looked like somebody put it together and like cared about it and stuck stickers and whatever in there, that's like, that makes your day, you know? It really does. I love getting stuff like that. And I pay like a lot of ten attention to that stuff. Like what, with yeah. other things I order from brands and stuff, I'm like, what are they doing? Like what kind of cool new ideas are there out there? To yeah. Like a more exciting thing. Cause like, especially this last year, we're like so much of what we were doing was like getting, waiting for packages to show up in the mail. Like it felt like that was like the main activity I had for like a month. <laughs> okay what was what did they bring today or whatever right yeah so i do yeah you gotta try to make it fun for people i think we do that and it's really it's thoughtful i think too like yeah a lot of time with that stuff and like i never get to talk about this stuff it's so nerdy like it's really like the epitome of like let me talk about my tape gun you know like, <laughs> no one wants to hear like the ins and outs of that stuff i will say this people who get to come in the store so our mail room our mail order room and our stock room is in the back and you can see it from the floor of the store. So people come in and they get to see like- The process. It's kind of like when you go to Chipotle's and you get to watch how they put your burrito together. I'm back there adding guacamole <laughs> and not charging all day long. 
but yeah, I mean, that's what it is. And it's cool because I'm so glad people finally get to see, like, you know, for a long time, it was just me in my kitchen, right? So I'm doing right. at home and, you know, with a two-year-old running around and <laughs> crazy and ripping up stuff, you know? So this is a big improvement. I couldn't be happier about that. And it, yeah, and I think it's been cool for, for people to come in and see, like, what that looks like. Like, we're not a big company. We're totally like a family yeah and it's like really a labor of love for all of us and And the tape gun cannot be underestimated mike and i both worked in factories yes and having a proper tape gun is essential it really really is i mean i have my i have my i have my favorite type of tape like that's how i am like i have one company that makes this tape in portland that i'm completely obsessed with and it's really it's like expensive and i go there and i buy all the tape they have and like usually in my pajamas, not looking hot, being like, <laughs> and then I like to talk to them about how awesome their tape is. Like, I'll be like, and they're just like, okay. I'm like, yo, you guys have like the best tape. And they're like, who is this crazy? He's <laughs> crazy. But I'm just like, I'm waiting for the recognition of somebody who works there to be like, it's really good tape, isn't it? Like I want yeah, to right? recognize that I have recognized the tape. Yeah, um, yeah, you need a sponsorship. Tell you me about it. Tell me about it. Tape sponsorship. Being copy pilot on North Lombard, Portland, Oregon. What's up? Give me some. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I mean, it's really like the nuts and bolts of it are really lame, but the the cool part is I get to create and we get to create together as a group. I will say this: it's a very intimidating group of people. So we have Sean Durkin on bass now, who is like an amazing player, but also just like an incredible person, and he is an amazing graphic designer as well. So like, and I'm that's a cool fan of his band weekend. So it's been really cool having him here and he's now moved to Portland and um, works here. Sometimes. Right on. So that's been really cool. And then Conrad and Toby too, like you better not come with like a bad idea. Like if yeah. you come with a bad idea in this group of people, like you will get, clowned. you'll get clowned. Yeah. Yeah. It will be like, so this is like, I come into the store the other day, the three boys are here. I walk in the door and Conrad goes, yo, I think we should make soft kill sleeping bags. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. And the boys all go, see, I told you she'd say that. And I was like, you guys sat here and like orchestrated this entire conversation to clown me. And they were like, yes, we did. <laughs> Awesome. I feel You're so like, I'm just being supportive. So you need to turn it back on them. I'm just trying to support you in your art. But I think that one of the powerful things about it is that we're very critical. Things that are not good do not get made. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very harsh on each other in that particular way. And I think that that's been really helpful, like to be in a creative environment where like Conrad's thing is like, he just won't respond to my text. Like if I send him something, I'm like, what do you think of this? I just will. And I know after years of that, that that means that that is a terrible idea mm. and to come back with something else. And I, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I think there's like an intense process of like, you know, Tobias and I, and just all of us just like going back and forth being like, is this cool? Is this not like, do you like it? Do we find artists like new artists and send it, them to each other? Like, Oh, what do you think of this person? And, yeah trying to keep it like fresh all the time well i always find it funny when i see watch your guys's interaction online when you're sort of picking at each other it just kills oh, me yeah. so funny it's like we're like a modern honeymoon honeymoon yeah it's i love it insane. you know he, we went to go get vaccinated together today and he was 
a little more freaked out than I was for sure. And like, I'm like, okay, so like it's at the mall, which is hilarious because we love right. the mall. Yeah. Like everything we do is the mall. Like we go to the mall. I don't even know how many times a week. It's crazy. Like they all suck here. Like all the malls here are like, just like straight nineties nostalgia, like gross and amazing at the same time. Yeah. Um, so we go to the mall all the time. And I was like, of course we're getting vaccinated at the mall. Like we're just, everything happens here. Right. Right. Uh, our press photos were taken at the mall, like at the skating rink that Tanya Harding skated at. <laughs> Like staying true to form, I guess. But um, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this, but like, I'm getting some Cinnabons. You know? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, so we went to the, Get you an Orange Julius afterwards. <laughs> we went to the mall food court, you know, after the vaccinations. But yeah, him and I are like that. It's like living in a, like a sitcom almost is kind of what it feels like, like all the time. So being the one female in the group, how people used to ask this to me and I always just was like, I don't know, I get treated like everybody else, but is that the same thing? Cause like, I think people have this weird perception that girls get treated precious or, I mean, and probably in some circumstances, maybe they do, but I, I <laughs> like, I always just felt like one of the boys, like it didn't matter to me that there wasn't another girl in the entourage. And I like to frame it like it's not, it's like almost you become like almost gender neutral. For sure. Like when you're around like a group of people, it actually doesn't matter like what that group is for so many years and so many stressful and like difficult situations. And you all struggle together for so Mm -hmm. long towards a common goal. Like you kind of become like militarized in your thinking. Like you kind of yeah. become like the same. A Borg. One. Like that. Like, yeah. I, so I, yeah, I don't know if I've become one of the boys so much as we've all become each other. Like that's it. That's yeah. Maybe oversimplification, but definitely like they are protective of me in environments in which they should be. Like there's definitely times right. where I go to get paid and maybe that's an uncomfortable uh, situation for whatever reason, and right, I'll look behind me, and there will be at least a boy, yeah, yeah, that's good standing there helping me, which has happened multiple times. Um, so yeah, there, I mean, you know, what it's like on the road, there's definitely situations where, like, being a, 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 a girl isn't mm-hmm. like super um, easy, but I don't, I, I've never felt with it with them certainly with right that it's that it's like affected anything I, same. other people being dicks you know what i mean right yeah so, I, and and you know the funny thing too is i was always the most aggressive one in the bunch oh yeah i try to fight i went to at least <laughs> listen i this is not i'm not bragging on this i went into like at least two fights a year like it's crazy. I don't know what it is. It's just like I just have a face that says like fight me or like or if I'm just too aggressive in situations. Probably all of that is true. Um, yeah. I I got into a fight the other day and Toby got pepper sprayed. Like Oh my god. And like I got into a fight with an old man who yelled at me for speeding. I was totally speeding. Um like I was way in the wrong and I hopped out of the car and he ran over and he started screaming at me and I said oh please just come on get it all out get it all out and then the second he stopped i got back in the car and fucking peeled out like i I look in the rear view he's screaming he's yelling like i do crazy stuff like that all the time so like i think the boys are like maybe mellower 
than me. Probably a good thing, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Like you're the little pit bull in the group. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I don't experience, like I said, I don't experience fear maybe the same way that other people do. Like I definitely will run into physical altercations, like regularly do that. Like um, the other day we were driving downtown and this crack dealer was selling some crack to this girl and she was getting in his face and like blah 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 like saying that he ripped her off and this is these are random people on the side of the road like we're just at a stop sign and he cocks back to hit her and I literally bail out of the car get in between the two of them give her twenty dollars and go run <laughs> and she wow. off with it and he was like still like this and I was like I don't think you want to hit me bro and um, he walked off and I like saved him from going to jail and her from getting punched in the face. And like, yeah, those are the kinds of situations that I found myself in often when I was using. So I don't, I'm not afraid of that. So I think the boys don't look at me like any different than them. Yeah. Maybe like a little crazier even, I don't know. <laughs> Definitely like, oh shit, what's Nicole do? Gonna do next? Is like for sure like a conversation that happens pretty regularly because yeah, I don't know. like. Um, so maybe it's a disposition thing. I don't know. Yeah, it probably does have more to do with that than like male, female, you know? Right. Like I'm, a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm definitely like a, a divisive person. I'm a personality. I mean, like you either love me or hate me kind of thing. So I definitely yeah. feel like I uh, don't have a feminine or male energy. I'm just, yeah. I'm just more of an anomaly in that regard, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Being on the road is never easy, I guess, with that. You don't get taken very seriously. You know, um, there's definitely been issues with promoters or just like whatever bullshit with other bands. Like right. I, I feel like for the most part, like it's not as bad as maybe it was when you were out. Like I think things have gotten a, a more inclusive and progressive. I definitely, I, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that that's true. Um, in a lot, like in a lot, a lot of ways, like it was hard to even get a show in the nineties. Like nobody wanted to play or nobody wanted to have that band that nobody knows who they are. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's probably still true, but it was hard to even string together a group of 10 shows, let alone like a all over the world. Like you guys go, it was, it was definitely hard. And I think that, um, I think women in a lot of ways are taken more seriously now. I think, I think the mentality sort of was if you are a girl in a band, there must be a guy behind you doing the work and you're just taking the credit for it or something. And this situation is totally the opposite in the sense that like Tobias gets a lot of the credit for work I do, which I'm totally comfortable with. Like, yeah. like that's, that's something that like has never bothered me either. Yeah. I think it can go, it can go both ways. We also work with like a lot of women, like our booking agent is a woman. Um, That's awesome. Printer is um, owned by a couple. So the one who works in the front office that I work with the most, she's a woman. Like I definitely go out of my way to do that. With, I guess I never talk about that though. It's kind of a strange thing. Like I definitely make that up just a part of my life because I, people did that for me. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, I want to, I, I always want to make it feel like that in our camp regardless. So it's not, yeah, like, you're right. Like I'm the only girl, I guess, or like in this like inner circle of it, but there's a lot of women like in our sphere that we really go out of our way to work with and artists that we go out of yeah. our way to work with. So like, 
it doesn't really ever feel that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that there's so many good, solid female musicians that it's almost becoming a moot point, you know? Like, I, I hope so, like, to me, it's so, it, it's so imbecilic when you hear, like, female-fronted band or girl band, or it's like, you don't go male-fronted band. Like, why is it even pertinent what, if someone has a vagina or not? Like, I don't, it seems like such an inconsequential thing to have to point out, you know? It's either a good band or it's a bad band. It's not a girl or a boy or whatever, you know? Yeah, so I, I'm, I would like to think that at some point that will be irrelevant. Um, yeah. and we're headed that direction. Like yeah. That. You know, I think at any moment society can regress. I'm totally open to things falling apart. And getting That's out. true. That's <laughs> true. That's true too. I also think as far as like, you know, the, you know, the, the way that I sort of treat this stuff in my life is that I just like, the, like, these are not things I necessarily like or talk about they're just like they're right they're just an like, a totally and it's our whole vibe and i think that like being like inclusive or being thoughtful about these things is yes in word it's not like posting about it on the internet or talking about it in this way or whatever it can be those things but it's mm -hmm. also just like how do you live every single day of your life completely and also for me, being like the money person in a lot of ways, I'm like, who do you hire? Mm. Who do you give your money to? Because yeah. that's been like a big thing for me over the last few years, especially like, I mean, if you pay attention to the artists that we use, if you pay attention to who directs our music videos, like if you pay attention to that stuff at all, which please don't, because God, don't pay that much attention to us. But like, <laughs> those are just actions and they're continuous and they- yeah are authentic so i don't it's it is like a you know a good part of it is a good conversation to have yeah that's, that's a piece of it but if i don't see bands actually doing that stuff like you have to actually be doing that stuff you yeah putting your money where your mouth is you can't yeah hire the same three artists that everybody like the white guy artists that everybody likes like knows and like has like cool instagram clout or whatever like you yeah thoughtful and like and like find good art and then make sure that you're not just sort of doing it in this comfortable bubble yeah i feel like a lot of music is that right like a lot of music is like really long-term existing relationships right and so that's yeah how, that's how it gets sort of sort of uh, uh homogenous yeah 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 it's people that you've known for 15 years or it's the people that you have known in your your daily life who you would make friends with otherwise like you have to try to be more adventurous i agree and that should, i mean that should come naturally right right i, I think yeah, and I think that, um, like you said, like, it's not a conversation that you even have to have. It's just the way that you live your life. Like, I don't sit around thinking about the impact of women on XYZ or anything like that. So when somebody asks me a question, I'm like, hmm, I have to actually think about that because I don't think about it. It's just your life and how you live it. And I'm glad you asked that because it isn't something I've really spent a lot of time thinking about. Like, yeah, like I work at this shop and I'm in this van with all these dudes. And, and you know, it doesn't feel like that to me, I guess, is a sort of interesting side note. Like, it really feels like I'm with my family 
with people who are just like I see as people. And so I just assume that that's also how I'm viewed. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of how I think of everybody. So I think that's been, that's an interesting question. Um, and it's, dude, it's, I gotta say, self-kill tours are pretty easy. Like yeah. we don't rough it a whole lot. You know, we're, we're in hotel rooms. Yeah. We eat whatever we want. We buy whatever we want. We always go to baseball games. Yeah. Uh, we go to like every baseball game we can like just stupid, stupid stuff. I love that though. I mean, here's the thing and you know, this, it can all end tomorrow. So you better enjoy it while you can, you know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of the point I was making sort of earlier is that the older you get, you don't know what tomorrow is and it can be all over in an instant. And so you better enjoy it and you better put the work in and you better be in love with what you're doing today because tomorrow it can all be gone. And then it's all a distant memory, you know? And I'm like, boy, I would really wish I would have done, because we have a lot of those moments of, I wish we would have done X, Y, Z, but we didn't at the time for whatever reason, variety of reasons. And now it's like, you're, you know, we're at this stage where, we can't just quit jobs and go on tour. We can't just do these things, you know? So, you know, I'm glad. I'm pretty sure I'm going to see you out in the field here pretty soon. I don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling. But I I, yeah, you're right. That like you don't yeah. look back and feel that way. You want to yeah. you went 100%. Like, yeah. Really and really enjoyed the, the process of it. Yeah. I was thinking about how like, you know, I, I, so I use drugs from, I was a heroin addict from, from 19 until 26. Right. So my entire twenties was like literally flushed down the toilet. And when I got clean, that was like sort of the promise that I made to myself was that like, no matter what, like I'm going to like literally live as much as I possibly can in the time that I have left. That's awesome. I was like, not about to waste another decade. And I was definitely like, not about to like, not find out what the world had been I mean, I didn't leave a four block radius for four years. Right. Not an exaggeration. I was like in a mental cage. I didn't leave this little tiny little, little neighborhood in Northwest Portland. So when I got clean, I didn't even know if I could like travel. Like I, like I didn't know any of that stuff. Right. Like, it felt really foreign to me. And so, yeah, there was a sort of like need to like, just like sort of see as much and do as much as possible. And I still feel that way. And I, I yeah, the re the regret that I have is like, oh my God, I could have been doing this the whole time. Yeah. yeah. That whole period of, of my life, you know, yeah. people have to like, tell me, like, I don't get pop culture references or like stuff from my twenties. Like I have to like get like, be like, what was this song? Or like, what was this thing? I don't had no internet. I had no phone. I was homeless off and on most of that time. So like, yeah, like it's, it is, there is that feeling no matter what your story is, like, man, I should have done it slightly different, but mm -hmm. I think what's important is like what you're doing right now to make your life like. Yeah. 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 And I think too, you know, you know, had you not experienced that, the things that you're doing now probably, I mean, I don't want to say probably might not mean the same as, you know, not to say that it's a great thing that you went through that obviously not a great thing. But you did come through it, and now it's kind of a good reference point to what you're doing now, you know? When I and went to Europe for the first time, I turned around to Tobias and I said, thank you. You know, yeah. just like, thank you for like, 
enabling me to do this. Like, thank you for giving me a platform that made all of this possible. So yeah, I mean, that's like a real thing. Like it definitely means so much more now for sure. Well, and I mean, you're just, you're hugely inspirational. I don't think you probably get that, but I mean, you're a, you're a freaking business machine. I mean, you first of all, circle social is, amazing like you run a record yeah. label, dude and now you own a store and yeah. you're a mother and you're, i mean you're just it's hugely inspirational because like i know for myself i have a a, a lot of self-doubt i really question my existence on a daily basis and that everything i do is garbage and you know subpar and yada 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 and and i think of the amount of like chutzpah you have to have in order to do all of what you're doing and that you just charge forward and maybe you didn't know what you were doing with you when you started and you just jumped in and that's completely that's did not know what i was doing 100 yeah. did not know what i was doing and and yeah like had to like feel all of that fear you're talking about and like feel all of that insecurity that you're talking about and just somehow i think like related to like once you've overcome death and once you've been sort of through what I went through, sort of other things don't seem as challenging maybe. Like, you, you know, yeah. it seems like, okay, like if I didn't die on that bathroom floor, I can probably send this email. You know what I mean? Right. And right. for a long right. time, it, really, it was really like that. It would be like, okay, like I'm so scared because I don't know how to handle a situation I'm in but I would have like sort of these reference points that like, I don't know that a lot of people in the music industry have, like, I'd be like, well, it's not as bad as like, blah, blah, blah. And whatever that example was, was definitely way heinous. Right. Like, right. Oh, this is so simple. Like I can definitely power through this. And so it made me less afraid for sure. Um, it made me less afraid of failure because in my mind, like what's the worst thing that could happen? Um, right. You know, and my dad always taught me that like the only way to get a no is not to ask. So I've never really been afraid of that. I've always been willing to like hear no's. I've always been willing to like ask, you know. So if yeah. I didn't know how to do something, I would just ask somebody who did. And that I, you know, that's been my saving grace like all throughout this whole process of just learning the next scary thing learning the next scary thing i'll probably end up running for mayor of portland before i'm done right on yeah. <laughs> like, yes like the worst job on the planet Tara. true no true, one true would true. want to be mayor of portland only psychopaths want that job <laughs> you, you, you got we, pepper sprayed like two days ago like in a bar for not wearing a mask his job sucks like, yeah, no one wants that job. That's why our mayor is our mayor, because no one wants to do that. That's funny. But but that's I'm the type of person who would just be like, I could probably handle that. Like, of course I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, duh. But like I that's my mentality, I think, in general, is just like, I got this right. And I totally don't. And I feel all the feelings you're describing. So I'm like, I fucking suck. I can't do this. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this oh my god the world is falling apart and then for whatever reason like i can click into this like other space of just like seeing it through and i think i've watched too like a lot of people artists like kind of get not robbed might be too harsh but i i definitely feel like there's this idea in our culture that artists shouldn't know anything about business mm. that they are like somehow 
a separate and special class of people who don't need to know how money works or how business works or how this almost like children. Right. And you hear this said all the time, like we say it to each other, right? Like we're like, you're right. Artists shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. And we all kind of collectively agree with that idea. Right. But like, yeah. imagine if I was like, I make homemade candles and you're like, don't worry about the business side. Just go make your homemade candles. You know, right. That's crazy. Like that person is a creative. That person is an artist in their own right. And they're the first thing that they're told is learn the business side of what you're trying to accomplish because just having candles isn't going to get you where you want to be. So why aren't we saying that to artists? Why are we telling artists the exact yeah. opposite? Don't yeah. worry about the business. Well, I mean, well, the reason why is because they were robbing the artist blind. That's, you know, taking the vast majority of the money and base essentially, you know, raping them of their success of their earnings, you know. Right. And that's been that's actually traditionally true of the the music industry. And it's yeah. never, and it's never really changed. Right. So I think that it's great to have a label. It's great to have management. It's great to have these sort of structural things in place, but you have to at least have an understanding going into those relationships of like what it is that you're dealing with. Like how much, for example, is the total amount of money on the table possible if you sell every record that's pressed? Mm -hmm. you, most bands don't even do just that simple math, right? So like it's yeah. like a calculator like okay your label's pressing 1500 copies and they're selling for 20 dollars a piece here's the total piece of pie right like just simple things like that that would be so helpful to people going into things so they yeah. have a better assessment of their own value and their own worth right and i think that like you know this is a harsh like a harsh sort of reality to deal with for like if you go into things not knowing this stuff, you will probably be taken advantage of at some point, you know? Yeah. And well, and, and I do think the not knowing your value thing, I think some people are so stoked to just be on a label that they'll just take whatever that is the crumb that they're offered to them. And I mean, I'm, it, I think that's a super easy thing to fall into because you don't know the whole business side of it. And you ha and and most of us do have that insecurity of not knowing like what their value is and like oh thank you for pressing my record for me meanwhile but you you provided the music like it's this symbiotic thing but I it definitely at least in the past felt sort of one sided where the record label's doing you this favor I'm doing you this favor it's like yeah but you're making money off me so. It's kind of a mutual thing here, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's, and that's, and that's the thing is like, if you don't even know, cause you don't even have to act on any of that information, right? Like this is the, right. like you could just like figure it out and then like, just know that and, right. like, that would be like enough that right. you sort of be a little more proactive and involved in the discussions about money or the discussions about getting your quarterly accounting. Um, it's been a wild year watching like a few specific record labels, like the tiny engines mess that happened. Like that was over $8,000 of unpaid royalties, but that was it. They they owed an artist on their label $8,000 in, in royalties. They weren't giving that person like, uh, accounting and it basically imploded the label and they said they didn't have the money and that's a lot that was a huge huge label so and i'm not even picking on them i think they're just one example of probably many but like eight thousand dollars shouldn't be 
like an unpaid artist royalties shouldn't be enough to, to make that big of an impact. And right. a lot of times what you see is just, I think, people not knowing how to advocate for themselves and then like labels not really knowing how to do this stuff well either and mm. there not being a lot of onus on them to do that and they're actually not being a whole lot of money you have staff and overhead sure. expenses associated with the building and then you get into these weird murky crazy situations that probably could have been easily avoided if like everybody involved was just sort of like a little more uh, informed and maybe a little tiny bit more ethical. So like, mm. I think that we're just sort of missing each other a lot more than we need to be. I don't think it's as like heavy handed as like all labels are awful or all. Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. I do think that like, you know, having now gone through the process of like physically manufacturing, selling, shipping and distributing like a number one billboard charting record, like, That's wild. like there's, a, no, there's like not a whole lot. Like I don't understand about the process. And I think that that's been like hugely beneficial for us for the long run. Like, you know, we have sort of have a sense of like what a soft kill record is worth and like what it can do in the world. And like, that's a huge gift. Cause I don't know that there's a lot of artists yeah. that know that, you know, like yeah. in a really practical, like boots on the ground way. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that's, I mean, first of all, trial by fire, you guys know now, like you've, you've tested it, you know, you know what it is. And I, I think, you know, like for us, we're always just like, we just don't want to leave anybody with stock. <laughs> you know, that's our main goal, sell it out so that there's no stock sitting on anybody's shelf that they can later go, yeah, but your record didn't sell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's our goal. Sell them out. Let's, let's print a little bit of, a little print of them. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that is a measure of success. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to the Wake uh, EP, that was a huge thing for us. Like, that was such a, um, I mean, that's such a special album for Mike. And that you guys cared about that record was, and it was so beautiful. Like it they came so, out beautiful. so beautiful. It's actually just to be real, like that's my still my favorite pressing of any record we've done. Oh, it came out so beautiful. It's so pretty. The artwork yeah. is super beautiful, and yeah, like your fans are so devoted and loving, and like really just like, yeah they're just really on board for whatever you do and they will be forever. And that's gotta be the goal. Right. I really think it's definitely, um, it's, it's, it's mind boggling, you know, it, it's, they're small, but mighty, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's just, I know you guys know this, like, it's, it's nice to know that people just care about what you're doing. Like even after all of these years and we, you know, we went away for a while and, Knowing that there's a core group of people that actually care is, it's why like you keep obsessed going. Might, obsessed might be like another word for it. For sure. <laughs> that's what you need. I mean, and that's the other, the other reality I think is like, you don't need to get, when we talk about like getting big, like, I mean, like, wow, what does that even mean? And like, right. There was a number one charting billboard record in 2019 that sold 900 physical copies. It was all streaming, right? So we're at that point. The, the pie is very small. You don't, you really just need like a dedicated group of people who fuck with what you do and are yeah. like interested in what you do and like find it compelling and tell their friends about it. Like I would rather have that any day of the week because that's like 
a very like moving and meaningful thing that can last. And I think that like you guys have that and will always have that. There's like absolutely 15 years, doesn't matter what you do, there will be people who are obsessed with everything you do. And that's just how it's well it definitely means something to you when someone sends you a message and said, you know, oh, I found your record at a record store in 1994 and I've still, I still listen to it and, you know, people will be listening to your records when they're 70. You know what I mean? It's just, it's it, when you do something that means something to you, I think it hits on a whole other level than people that just kind of are in it for the shtick of it or the ego boosting of it or you know we both know those people yeah and i think you know luckily that has been crushed out of me by like a lifetime of failure and i i, I think like tobias too you know that's i can't really speak highly enough of him like what a fucking real one really on every level but um yeah same deal it's like a lifetime of disappointment and heartbreak and just like actually having things that you love taken from you and just it like it humbles you in a way that like i don't know that like this could be an egoy thing for for him or for me yeah to be because it really is just like this like life raft for lack of a better word and it's been a life raft for tobias for for years before me and it's been a life raft for the two of us ever since and i think that that's like really how i view it like it's it really exists for all of us like as this sort of like blissful state to be in that almost doesn't have an audience you know it does but it, it almost feels like it doesn't sometimes it feels so much like it's just this like little group of us um, i love that though i like like i feel like you guys would be doing the same thing whether it was five people buying your records or five hundred thousand people buying your records like you know, you and we were. I mean, like, yeah. we could look back on it now, and like the first shirt we put out, we sold thirty-five of them. Like me and Tobias, and I was like, "Oh my god, we sold thirty-five Yeah, like, like my brain exploded. You know what I mean? And like at that point, like I had like seven dollars in the bank, so it was like, you know, we managed to like maybe pay our rent that month, and like you got to have the guacamole on your burrito. The guacamole, three <laughs> servings of guacamole. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, what's crazy is like, dude, like when we, I always think about this because this was such a difference this time. So when we released Savior, it charted as, as well. That was the first time and we were all super stoked and we get the van packed and they leave for tour and I'm home with the baby and I had $7 in my bank account. Wow. I literally didn't have enough money to feed us through the day. Like I was like, great. So like some diapers or some milk you know it was like right at that point and like you know everyone's like oh my god you guys sold so many copies of the record and like i was just like this isn't gonna work you know and there were just so many times like that really where there was like i don't know how we're gonna get through this jam or like i don't know how it's gonna really like pan out you know and you just that's why i love these guys so much and that's why it's my family i mean like conrad almost like was gonna like help me give birth to Dominic in the van. So like, <laughs> you know, we're like at that level. We're like a like taxi cab driver on the Brooklyn Bridge level of like close. Like, like literally like we're driving home from tour today, four years ago, the 27th. Yes. The actual day, cause Dominic's birthday. Yes. We're driving back and we're in the van and I'm like, oops. 
Like it was literally like, I think it's time. And like everyone, Toby like stress fell asleep. Like he like immediately like completely shut down. And like, I look back and he was like on the back bunk, like passed out. And I was like, whatever. And like, everyone was panicking. And I look over Conrad's shoulder and he's on his phone and he's literally Googling how to deliver. Aww. Why does that melt my heart? And I was like, absolutely not. You are absolutely not doing that. Like, it was just like, not gonna let him, let him do that. But he was willing, you know what I mean? And I think that like, Aww. Like those types of experiences on the road with your best friends, like, even yeah, like crazy, scary, like, because that was really scary. Yeah, like, of course. We both almost died. Um, like, we made it through that. And I think that, like, I can't really express, like, what those things mean to me. Like, I don't have the proper words for them. Like, family is probably as close as it gets, but, um, like, we've all just been through it. Yeah. And if you can get through that, yes. <laughs> you know, someone in the band is willing to literally pull a small bloody baby out of your vagina. Probably. You're probably good. People, right. I mean, I just think it would be, it's like so funny. Like going back to your question earlier, like how do your, how do they feel about, you know, treat you as only women in the band? It's like, like, all right, let's get a wrench. You know what I mean? Yeah. Goodness. Like, I mean, it's just it's like a wrench. Get the so WD forty. There's not much I wouldn't do for them, you know. And I right. and even like Sean being new to the band, like I feel the same way about him. And like Danny is the like these are the people like I would go to war for. And yeah, they're just the best people I've ever known. And there's no real other like words for that. And like. Um, I can't even talk about that. Well, and you know what? It's it it's a rare thing. It really is. It's a rare thing when you can find that many people to get along with and all click on the same wavelength. They're probably when they're watching this, they're gonna be dying. They're gonna be like, "Shut up, Nicole!" <laughs> You're gonna so get clowned. I'm gonna get clowned. I get clowned for every single thing. So this will just be like par for the course. But like, all I'm gonna say is that like they're the best people that I could have ever stumbled into, and like we've all saved each other's lives in different ways. Over yeah. Years. And it's that it's that meaningful to all of us. Like. I'm not going to cry because I'm wearing blue collar shoes. But yeah, it's that meaningful to all of us. Yeah. We've literally all bled for it in different ways. Me more literally than the rest of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, you need soft kills uh, roller skates. Yes. Oh, you saw our roller skating. I did. Yeah, I think soft kill roller skates would be the next thing on the agenda. That was so much fun. So the craziest part of that, right? So we all get there and everyone's like, I'm going to be bad. I'm going to be so bad at this. Sean is like, I'm going to be terrible. Like, I can't even do this, right? Like, I'm scared. And like, he gets out there and within seconds, he was like cutting off kids. Like, Throwing elbows. Like, oh my God. He was like so good. It was crazy. He went oh my God. I couldn't even film him. Like, I couldn't keep up with him. Like, it was so nuts. I was, like, trying to catch him on camera. And then, like, about halfway through, he's like, like, yeah, pretty good. Like, you're pretty good. Like, just absolutely killed it. Totally slayed the whole thing. That's amazing. And and so, like, you you know, you could you could sponsor a soft kill roller derby team. Mm -hmm. 
and um, a soft kill roller dancing. I'm ready. Put me in. I'm ready. Hey, I wanted to give some shouts out to a couple people. Absolutely. Quick. So I wanted to give a shout out to Floating Room, who okay. is a local Portland artist. She is amazing. That's cool. Go get this record or go stream it on Spotify. It is so good. We play it in the shop constantly. I just wanted to highlight her incredible, incredible stuff. And I wanted to give a shout out to Flagrant Mag, which is a woman-run basketball magazine. They oh, cool. It's amazing art and photography and interviews. They highlight the WNBA, which is super, and also women's NCAA basketball. Super incredible stuff. Please go see them. And then also, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. This book is absolutely part of the inspiration behind Dead Kids for sure. It's like hard to explain how this is my Portland, but it's the Portland that I know and it's absolutely beautiful. It's by Manny Murphy and you can get it from Fantagraphics. But this is some of the Portland artists that like we've been like really trying to rep and just like get out there because they're incredible in this town and it has so many of them. So sorry to like do my little plug. But no, that's awesome. I really wanted to highlight highlight some artists that I think are really important. So when we stop this, um, send me a message with any links you want me to put in the notes below and send me their links. We'll put those all in there. Anything you want to wrap in there, uh, anything, whatever. And you can also get all that stuff here at our store too. We stock all that so stuff. Cool. I try to make sure that like if I'm talking about something, like, you can like, come in and pick it up. That's cool. That's like part of the cool part about having a store is getting to create it. Man, I would be flipping out like thinking of all the stuff I could put in there. That's so cool. And it's it's growing. So my dad built all the fixtures you see. Yeah. It was a totally family affair. He built our record shelf. We made the signage ourselves. Like everything is like us, like completely. Like Tobias especially is crazy on curating the record selection. Um, the pedals have been so much fun. Like we carry a bunch of boutique pedals that you can't get anywhere else in Portland. Yeah. It's been, it's been the most fun thing. I'm like really excited about what it's going to mean like in the future. But yeah. I'm like, like amazing. We had a great week this week. The sun is out finally. It's hard to be in Portland in the winter, mm. but the cool part is the sun comes back out and like everybody, the whole town like gets out of their seasonal depression. Mm. It was like the best three months in the entire world. So we're in that now. So I feel like things are going to continue to get better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good, good. yeah and everybody's vaccinated. So, you know, yeah. like uh, onward and upward. Yeah, and Oregon's doing really well with that. So we're like, we're crushing it. No, I mean, like our state, I hate to be like, it's the best, but I love it here. It's my home. So I, I know. Um, but we I've never been there, but I feel like we should be there. It's amazing. I'm not one of those native people here who's like, oh, don't come here. I'm like, no, come here. It's really better. I would like 100% suggest visiting Portland uh, if you ever get a chance, but also no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, it's been super fun. And it's crazy because we're actually not even the only band in Portland that has its own store. We're really? <laughs> yes. That's Ryan wild. Jeff Whitehead has a store here as well so i think maybe like people are like oh it's a crazy idea but like to me i'm like oh anything's possible right like there's 
like a donut shop that like puts like gummy bears on the donuts or whatever like that you know what I mean like anything yeah. is possible in Portland there's an entire store with like knit sweaters for dogs <laughs> that's all they sell you know so I to me I, it's like part of the magic of this city I think is that there is this idea that like anything is possible that's cool yeah right on all right well i yeah talked ourselves out haven't we yeah it was such a pleasure talking to you you're amazing well i mean you are (laughs) not to sound like a sick whatever you're like an idol so it's like we even get a chance to talk to you really i'm like that's crazy i know i'm really hoping that actually we do have plans we want as soon as it's free and clear we definitely want to get up there just to hang out we have so many friends that live up there and uh we'll hang out at the store how cool you gotta come you gotta come how fun um so we have a live stream coming up april 2nd mm-hmm. it's available to purchase tickets still through our band camp um they're gonna host it we this is the first time we've used that service i'm super stoked april 2nd is also band camp day so hoping some people can pick some stuff up from us there um and then dead kids r.i.p city is out everywhere I'm sure we will have more stuff. Like by the time anybody sees this, there'll be six more shirts. <laughs> uh, and roller sure skates. Stuff I'm forgetting even, but like, yeah, yeah, go stream that record that I spent all that time talking about and crying over. Yes, for <laughs> sure, for sure. I finally, I've had it here at the house for a while and I finally just listened to it the other day for the first time. And I, I wrote Tobias and I'm just like, I'm over here bawling listening to this record. It's so good. Stupid. it's so good there's some days where i'm like this is so stupid i can't believe we put this thing out because it's just unreal to me still like i'm in awe of it like and i mean even just the vinyl like it looks like um candy it's so pretty it's just the whole aesthetic of it i get asked almost every day about the cover art too which i think is so crazy to me because those are just two of my high school friends those are just yeah. two 14 year old girls at a rave it's like- I posted I posted the, a clip of the vinyl the other day and a friend of mine was like that one girl I'm friends with that one girl and I was like that's cool yeah yeah it's been so weird like how many people have been like oddly connected to them who have been like oh that's my like sister-in-law like random people have like written me and been like I know her and I'm like me that's too. so wild yeah. yeah and you know the other question I get is like are they alive that's mm-hmm. the question I get more than anything and yes both of them are alive they live here in Oregon. They're moms. They're like totally rad. Um, and um, Vanessa was never a drug addict, um, but Megan, she's been clean as long as I have. So her and I are like, a that's awesome. Stories. Once again, like that hope message, like I feel like one of the things about having people on the record cover who didn't work sort of victims of the disease was to show people like, look, there's hope. Yeah. Because they're both just awesome moms and like yeah. ladies and like they survive. So that's awesome. Possible, I guess, you know. Yeah. All right, Hi. madam. We'll talk fun. to you soon. I know. And tell everybody we said hello and we'll talk again soon. I will. There's people walking by the store right now, by the way, who are looking at my ring light, who are like, what is what? going on inside <laughs> <of my laughs> So I should probably stop freaking out. <laughs> that's funny. All right, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye.